Welcome to The Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a birth worker, mum of two boys, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Birth Podcast. Today, my guest is Hannah, who shares her two births, which could not be more different from each other. Her first son was born when she was 21, and as a young mum, Hannah felt that she was continually ignored by medical staff, who denied her pain relief, refused to listen when she felt something was wrong with her baby, and left her alone and unable to sit up or even hold her baby immediately after birth. What Hannah went through was extremely traumatic, and while I don't usually do content warnings, I just wanted to let listeners know that this experience was deeply distressing for Hannah, and I think it would be very understandable for you to feel that too while listening. Hannah's second baby was born eight years later by elective caesarean section, and this was profoundly healing for her. I am so glad that Hannah was able to share both her stories with me today, and I really hope you enjoy listening to them. Hi Hannah, thank you very, very much for joining me on the podcast today. It's lovely to have you. Before we start, do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and your family and uh, what it is that you do and who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm 33. I'm a single mum. I've got two boys, one who is three and one who is 11, totally different characters, which is also quite nice as well. Um, I work in the local school doing the finances, which I absolutely love the team there are lovely and um it's also the son um the school that my son goes to as well so it's nice to see him in his environment as well and then when I'm not doing that I am hiking and seeing friends and playing tennis and um I also do some singing as well I do wedding singing as well so that's quite nice bit of a bit of a contrast from my day job so yeah pretty busy life pretty full-on yeah sounds like it (laughs) in terms of your birth stories I know we're going to focus on your first son's birth mostly tell me about a little bit about how it was finding out that you were pregnant with him and what that whole situation was like um and how you felt Okay, yeah, so I got pregnant with Sunny when I was 21, so I was really young, although at the time I didn't feel really young, I felt very grown up Mm -hmm. um, and thought, yeah, I can handle this, Um, you know, I'm an adult now. So yeah, it was quite quite a shock, it was unexpected, Um, so yeah, I found out and then I had him in the August and then I turned 22 that August, but yeah, it was yeah as I said unexpected but I had time to digest it all and kind of prepare but now I now I'm 33 and I look back and I think oh my god I was only 21 Mm. how did I do that and like there's 21 year olds that I know now that I think oh my god if you got (laughs) pregnant or how how would you cope but then I was like that was me and like when people were like wow you're young to have a kid I didn't really understand it at the time because I was Mm. like well I'm an adult like I've, I've got a job I've got a house yeah like I don't like for me I felt really grown up but now I'm like wow I was really young to have a child I had him and then I had Finley eight years later so there's a huge age gap between the two I had the same father he was in the military so he went off and was in the army and um in the camp and stuff abroad and then we separated after we had Sunny I think because being so young Mm. it took quite a toll on the relationship and because he was away a lot of the time as well that was really difficult as well that's hard so we separate yeah we separated after Sunny I think when Sunny was about two and then went off and had different relationships and then they broke down and then we came back together and we had Finley Um, so that's why there's such a huge age gap Mm. which I thought would be really actually really nice having such a big age gap because Sonny's older and he can help me with Finley but um yeah they they fight all the time 
<laughs> oh, <dang it. laughs> I was like, there's really no right or wrong age no, gap whether isn't. you have bigger or smaller. It's difficult at all ages having two kids. I think people um, ask that all yeah. the time, don't they? You know, you know, should I do it really close together or should I have a big yeah. age gap? And I just think you just can't compare. You just don't know. No. No, and, and yeah, so it's definitely got its pros and its cons. Like mm. when they get on, it's so nice, and Sonny is so nurturing, and he looks after him, and he worries about him so much, and yeah, really, like is a really good big brother. But then there's times where I'm just like, oh my god, they just won't <laughs> stop bickering about stupid things. They just fight all the time. But yeah, I'm sure like when they get older that age gap will become a lot easier when they've kind of when when Finley stops being the annoying younger brother who wants to play with all sunny stuff so yes yeah yes it'll definitely get easier I think at some point I hope (laughs) yeah that's just what we tell ourselves every week it'll be better yeah (laughs) I'm like it's just a phase it's just a phase phase. Uh, but I think you know what you're saying about being feeling like oh god that's young to be a mum I just feel like if you like a lot of people in their mid-30s who maybe are thinking about having their first child in the next few years, you know, then you get it the other way, don't you? Oh, you know, crack on. It's like yeah. you can't really yeah. win. My mum knows somebody actually who had two children when she was like 17 and 19. And then she had two more children when she was like 42 and 44. And mm. she actually said that she way preferred it being a younger parent because she just didn't have that like fear of the world and absolutely, yeah. The, all the worries that come with there. getting older. Yeah, yeah. The contrast between having Sunny and so I had Finley when I was 30 is ma- was massive. Mm-hmm. And I just like the pregnant, everything was easier when I was 21. I just wasn't really thinking about, um, as your mum's friend said, like, it sounds bad, but I wasn't thinking about like the safety of the baby. I was just like, oh, I'm pregnant. And I went about my normal life. Like I was still working out. Mm-hmm. I was still going out and seeing friends and Finley was planned and I was older I was then like a bit more like oh gosh like I can't eat that those foods and I can't Mm. do that and I need to be careful when doing that because and I was also then a bit more aware of friends and people who were getting pregnant and and having miscarriages and things like that and I just felt really like oh wow this is a big thing that I'm carrying a baby Mm -hmm. and I felt really lucky to be carrying a baby and that I had to really look after it a bit more so it made me a lot more anxious definitely when I was 30 when I was 21 I just didn't even really have that concept I was just like oh I'm pregnant and just went about my life and thought what will be like what will be uh, yeah it just didn't really cross my mind so when you were pregnant with Sunny um did you have many pregnancy symptoms how how did you feel throughout that time it honestly like the pregnancy was an absolute breeze which I didn't at the time I when I was getting heavily pregnant I had a bit of heartburn and I had a bit of sleepless nights and I was thinking oh god this is really difficult and I still had those days where I felt really fed up um I just remember mum and dad taking me out for dinner once and I started crying at the table and they were like what's wrong and I was like I just don't want to be pregnant anymore and my mum was like yeah here we go this this is what happens always at this stage but yeah but then when I obviously I had my pregnancy with Finley I really struggled so now looking back at my pregnancy with Sunny I realized how easy I had it and I didn't have any sickness I was really active I didn't have any aches and pains so um yeah the pregnancy was lovely it was such a nice pregnancy I didn't have any complications or anything all healthy everything growing fine um yeah it was great so what were your thoughts about your birth at that time and being quite young um I imagine you didn't have like loads of experience of other people's birth situations what were your plans for the birth did you know what you wanted yeah so I didn't really have a birthing plan as such um I just kind of liked the sound of a water birth and I purely just based that on the fact that I love baths (laughs) like so whenever I get period pains or when I'm feeling unwell or anything like that I'm always like I want a bath so I in my head I was like well 
I get what they're saying, like the water takes the pressure off you, it eases your back pain and things like that. So I thought that that sounded great for me. So that's all I had in my head was I quite fancy a water bath. So that was my only plan, really. In your area, is there a birth centre that you were thinking of going to or was it or was it labor ward where were you planning to give birth um it was um so I'd planned to go to the hospital at Musgrove the labor ward on there so that's and I think I didn't really realize at that age or I wasn't really given the choice it was just because because I was at this particular GP this is where everyone went okay to the hospital so I was just like okay that's where I'm going it never they like they never like came up with the conversation of like where would you prefer to go would you like to have it at home would you like to do nothing it was just this is where you're having the baby so for me I just didn't didn't I was just like okay because it was also new to me as well of course um I just went with whatever they advised really so yeah they said the labor ward in Taunton so that's where I went how did labour begin uh, or did it begin on its own and how did kind of the process of the birth begin for you? So I had my due date and on my due date I actually remember like having the whole whole day and no signs, no no twinges or anything and then in the night I got up and I, I remember feeling um, like really bad period cramps like or like I thought, oh, maybe I've eaten something funny, like lower back sort of cramps and things like that. Um, and I remember getting up in the night and then I then realised, oh, it's my show. I was having my show. Um, so that happened on my due date. So I had my show and then I just went back to bed. And then the next day started. So that was on the Monday. And then the next day started the contractions, but only very small like twinges period cramp kind of feel so on that Tuesday I just kind of milled around at home and I think the Tuesday night I my parents lived closer to Taunton than I did so it was kind of always like oh if you want to come and stay come and stay so um I kind of packed out my bags and thought I'm gonna go stay with my mum because I just wanted my mum there for the whole process um she was also always the plan was that she was always going to come and be my birthing partner as well as well as um, my partner at the time. Mm-hmm. So I packed up and went over to theirs and that was the Tuesday night. Still very like mild pains, although they were getting a bit stronger. Had a pretty, pretty restless night on the Tuesday. Um, and then on the Wednesday, the contractions then were getting really, really strong. So I went then she drove me into Taunton. I went there and they examined me and they said, oh, you know, you're only two centimetres. You really ought to probably go back home. I thought, right, okay, I'll go back home. So I went back home and then again had another really bad night's sleep, like, well, couldn't really sleep with contractions, yeah. um, wasn't really eating a lot. I was just in and out of the bath all the time trying to, like, manage the pain. And then on the Thursday, again, I went back into Musgrove. They examined me again. And um, I was like, this is it now. Like, I can really, like, because they said, oh, don't come in until you can't string a sentence together. Like, that's when you know it's time to come in. Like, that's that kind of pain. And at this point, I was really struggling. So I went in and they were like, they examined me again. They said, well, you're only three centimeters so you need to go back home so off I went back home Thursday night didn't sleep oh, <laughs> so this God. was going Monday to Thursday no sleep basically I mean I had tiny little like naps here and there but yeah. not like a big block so I was exhausted at this point yeah and I imagine then, pretty deflated from hearing yeah somebody you know, describe you as yeah. only you know yeah to keep going back in and thinking to myself this has to be it like and my I would say like my pain threshold is pretty high um and I knew that it was going to be super painful so I knew not to kind of go in and expect oh okay the baby's here like I knew I still had quite a way to go but 
the contractions were so intense um, that I was like, "This, you know, this has to be it. Um, so then to be going in and being told oh, you're only three centimeters, you need to go back home. It was, yeah, as you, it was just really deflating. Mm-hmm. So I went back, had the Thursday night, Friday morning, my mum was like, right, that's it. I'm taking you in like this, you know, you've got to be in there now because she could see I was in a lot of pain. So I went in on the Thursday and they examined me again and they said, you're only three centimetres. And I, and they were like, you need, and I just went, no, I'm not, I'm not going back. I said, I've been here three times now. You can see I'm really struggling. I just, I need, I feel like I need to be here now. So they said, okay, right, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I need to get in the pool. Like, I just feel like I need that bath that situation because by this point you know you get the lower back pain nothing was helping it they put me then in the water birthing pool at 9 a.m this was on the Friday so I was in the birthing pool everything which instantly was relief to me so it had the effect that I thought it would which was good at the time I thought okay this is great definitely made the right decision here so I was in this birthing pool from 9 a.m contracting 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 and it got to the afternoon and I was like I really need the gas and air now so they put me on the gas and air and I remember at one point saying to my mum I was going oh my god who is that making that scream like what is she doing like it's really putting me off my mum was like Hannah that's you (laughs) I had no I was so out of it that I would come I'd come off the gas and air and just hear this like faint scream and it was had been me the whole time this must have been sort of I don't know like two or three o'clock by this point and obviously I've gone for like four nights no sleep just absolutely shattered at this point and um I was saying to them I really need more drugs like this is really, really painful now. I can't cope with just the gas and air. The gas and air isn't touching it anymore. I'm really struggling. And they said to me, that's fine if you want more drugs, but you need to get out of the pool. Like we can't help you out of the pool. But I couldn't get myself out the pool. I could not lift. I was in so much pain. I was like crippled over. And every time I tried to stand up, the pain would just take me back to my knees again. So I couldn't get out the pool. And I was like begging them at this point, to say, please, I need, I need something. I can't do this. And they were just like, <clears throat> they just said, like, oh, we can't, we can't help you out. So I was like, oh God. So I was stuck in this pool, barely keeping my head above the water because I was just so drowsy from being so exhausted. Danny had me underneath my arms, trying to hold me up, told my head up out the water. And um the midwife turned to me and was like, come on now, Hannah, you need to, you need to keep yourself up. Danny's arms are aching. Oh my (laughs) God. Oh my God. I swear my head did a 360. I swear. If you had had any energy, I bet you would have walloped. I, yeah. I I mean, like bless this midwife, but he was also a man, (laughs) which I don't think helped the situation. my mum said it was like the exorcist I just literally like my (laughs) head must have turned and I just remember shouting at him and I just looked at him and I went (laughs) I went I am pushing a baby out of my effing vagina (laughs) and I was like and you're telling me that he's tired and this guy just looked at me and like you must have looked at Danny and they were both like okay wrong thing to say but yeah Yeah, I was just so exhausted yeah I couldn't keep myself up at one point I remember it got so bad and I'll never forget this feeling that I had and I remember just kind of coming out of uh, contraction and coming to and say looking at my mum dead in the face and I literally just pleaded for her to kill me which seems so weird now but I was in so much pain honestly if somebody had come in and offered me a way out I would have taken it which yeah. is bizarre now and seems really dramatic. But no. at that time, it was like, it was just the pain. I just remember looking at her and just being like, mum, please just 
make just it stop yeah now and she said that and my mum like she's a pretty strong person she's not like an overly emotional person like I very rarely see her cry or anything like that and she had to take herself out of the room and just have a minute and she said to me afterwards she was like it was honestly the hardest thing I've ever had to do is watch my child going Mm. through that and there was nothing I could do to help you Mm. so that must have been really hard for her as well and I just kept begging the midwives I kept saying to them something's not right like something's wrong here and I guess because they hear it all the time like they I mean they deliver hundreds of babies a week so for them they must just hear all the time like oh I can't do it oh it hurts too much or you know it's not working or I you know I can't put they must hear that all the time so for them they must just think like yeah they're there you know it does hurt but you know you'll get through it but I kept telling them I kept saying it's just this isn't right like this is this is too too painful Mm. Did you have like an instinctual feeling that something wasn't right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And which is bizarre because I'd never had a child before. I didn't know how it was supposed to feel, but something inside of me was telling me something's wrong. Like alarm bells were going and I just, I knew it. I just knew in my gut something was really wrong. And it was just, it was almost like a nightmare where you're, trying to run from something and you're like you're not actually running anywhere it was like just I was it was like being like screaming at someone and and everyone not hearing you and I was just trying to tell them over and over and over again please get me out help me and they were just kind of like rubbing my back like yeah you'll be all right you know it you know it is really painful Mm. and yeah, and it was just so ho- horrible because they just weren't listening. And I remember, I mean, this is going on now. I mean, I must have been nine o'clock at night. So I'd been in that pool 9 a.m. all day contracting, like really bad contractions, having no drugs, which I begged for by the early afternoon. Um, and I was still, he still wasn't here. And it got to about nine o'clock at night and I just remember this, I was screaming and screaming and screaming. No one was helping me. And I just remember having this moment of just remember saying to myself, right, if I don't push and do this on my own, I'm going to die or this baby's going to die. I just had that sudden, like, overwhelming feeling of just push, Hannah. No one's helping you. You need to get through this. And my mum said at that point, I just went deadly silent. Like I just turned and I just went so silent. I squatted down in the pool and I just put all of my energy into pushing and I pushed him out. And so he was finally here. I pushed him out. I had to find him in the water and pulled him out. So I didn't have any intervention. I didn't have any forceps or pulling out of me from the midwife or myself. Like I I pushed him out into the water and then I just picked him up out of the water. So he was finally here and this was 10 o'clock now. Um, So he was born at 10 o'clock. He was healthy, looked healthy and everything. And um, they had to try and pull me out of the pool then at this point because I was just, I mean, I've never in my life felt exhaustion like it like it was scary how my body was just so exhausted so did they assist you out of the pool then yeah isn't that frustrating yeah so frustrating what is that all about I don't know what the concept was of we can't help you out and I was screaming to them please get me out of this pool and they wouldn't lift me out And I don't know if it was just being like, as I said, maybe because they hear it all the time or maybe because I was a young mum and they just thought, I don't know, I was making a scene. I don't know. But Mm. yeah, it was really, really frustrating. And then they helped me out the pool afterwards and 
they gave uh, obviously gave Sunny to me and I did skin to, to skin and everything like that but to be honest I was so broken that I just didn't have those first bonding moments or anything to do with Sunny it was just I was just like I was just a complete like shell of a person I just I can't even remember it I was just so dead to the world um everything hurt everything hurt my feet hurt I'd apparently been kicking the side of the pool in pain and I'd kicked off all of my toenails oh, which yeah. is awful <laughs> because I was in so much pain and I just I didn't feel it at the time and afterwards like my toes they were just they were in pain my back was in pain my bum was in pain everything I and I was just shattered and so they put um Sunny on me and at the time actually it was Danny who noticed that when they put him on me his arm was really limp and he pointed it out to the midwife and he said oh is his arm you know is his arm okay it looks doesn't look right and the midwife was like oh no it's fine sometimes they just need a bit of time to get the circulation like it's like a you know like a dead leg so we said okay that's fine Anyway, they wheeled me off then to the ward um, and they just, you know, it, it's quite overwhelming because they kind of build you up to this whole, oh, how, what you're going to go through in labour. And then they never really kind of give you the after bit. So it's all the focus on the pregnancy and the classes and the labour and, you know, parenting classes and things like that. But they never actually tell you, you get wheeled onto this ward and then everybody has to go. So I just got wheeled onto this wall because obviously it was 10 o'clock at night. Danny wasn't allowed to stay. My family, none of my family were allowed to stay. I couldn't even lift Sunny up because I was in so much pain. And they just wheeled me onto this ward in the middle of the night, put Sunny next to me in the box. Um, everyone just left. It's and absolutely I was like, inhumane. It's, it's just barbaric. It it really is. I was so like, wow, okay, well, that's it then. Like now I'm just left here with this baby. And I don't and... actually I don't actually understand because it's not like that at every hospital. You know, after I had my two, my partner stayed all night. There was yeah. no there was not even a mention of him going and I I I cannot even comprehend what it would be like for him to have just been like, bye then. Yeah, like, and that it, was literally it. Like I just got wheeled horrible. on and left to Sunny. And at this point, I was led flat on my back because um, basically the way that he came out and the, the complications of when he came out, he had come out and his part of his body, I'm, I'm assuming it was his head, had pushed all along my back passage. Mm. So my back was bruised and I couldn't even get myself into a sitting position um so I was led flat on my back and so I couldn't he was there obviously screaming crying I couldn't even pick him up so I was just led there like basically a zombie in pain with a baby who I hadn't even really taken two seconds to look at and everyone had just left me. So, yeah, it was really, really horrifying. It was a horrible experience. Yeah. Um, the recovery for me was awful. I I just had so many things going on with my body and I was aching in so many ways. It was so hard for me to actually even take a second to realise oh, I've got this baby and I need to nurture this baby, like, I just couldn't even. So I definitely had, because of that, I definitely had postnatal because I just, it was, for me, it was just this baby was there and it wasn't mine. It was just, I don't know, it was, I just had a complete detachment from it. You know, when people say like, oh, 
you go through all the labor and you go through that but when they when they put the baby in your arms you get that overwhelming overwhelming feeling of love and it's all worth it in the end and that just doesn't happen for most people no and they really need to normalize the fact that you're going to be given a baby and you might not love it straight away because you might not get that overwhelming feeling of joy and everything that everyone tells you about because I, it makes when you don't get that, you feel like, oh my god, what's wrong with me? Yeah, like should I have had this baby? You know, yeah. and then you start like thinking, questioning it because they don't tell you, they don't warn you, and say actually you might not get those feelings straight away when they put him or her in your arms. And I, I certainly did. I do think that there is a really strong correlation between the amount of nurturing and love the mother gets in that moment and how much then she is able to give to give that to another being and I think if you had been properly held and loved and supported and nurtured in that really difficult time you might have had an ounce of that to pass to your baby in that moment because you would have felt like you know you were held really safely in that bubble but you just you go into absolute panic mode then and you can't focus on anything 100% if I'd have had a much nicer birth experience it all would have felt a little bit more magical and loving and but for me it didn't it was just trauma after trauma after trauma and poor Sunny was just there as this product of all of this and I just couldn't kind of focus on being a mum I was just focusing on trying to get myself out of that hospital and you know it was just so much and and because I was young and I didn't really have a voice then to I didn't have the confidence because I was young now there is no way I would have stood for that absolutely no way there is no way that I would have been let them leave me on a ward um to basically fend for myself yeah But yeah, being so young and a bit naive and thinking that, you know, I'm just in the hands of the professionals, so they know best, which I'm not saying they don't. um, But sometimes things aren't always as they say. And um, I feel like as a woman, you you have an instinct, you have an intuition and you know what your body's doing and you you know, especially during labor and pregnancy, like, you know, if there's something not quite right. So you absolutely should stand up for stand up for yourself and make sure that you're heard, especially in those times, because, yeah, there were things that were missed and could have been, could have had an absolutely catastrophic outcome. Luckily, they didn't. Sunny is all right. But it could have been so different if I if things I had think slightly turned a slight way. You can look back and say, oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. But mm-hmm. ultimately, you were vocalizing for yourself and you weren't supported properly. No. And people didn't listen no. to you. And it's so disappointing, but it's also it has such a huge ongoing effect on people's lives. It's not yeah. kind of, you know, for for some people and, you know, we are so overstretched in the health service and people people do incredible work. But when it's somebody's everyday job, it, I think, can fall to the wayside that this is your once in a lifetime thing. Absolutely. It's their bread and butter day, day, day. You know, she's just a particularly loud birth or whatever. Yeah, and actually, yeah. it can be really hard to tune in to actually know this is a person and she knows what she's talking about. But yeah you just weren't listened to so tell us about what complications happened and how that then came to light you know they do all the initial checks and they said everything was fine on Sunny and then as I said about his arm was a bit limp Mm. um, and we raised that and they said it was fine so when I was then trying to feed him and things like that and, and Danny was helping me his arm still just didn't look right um, it still just didn't have any movement. He was really, really crying out, but it, which is another strange thing because your babies cry. I mean, I didn't know what my baby's cry was, but I knew that it wasn't a cry for hunger. It was a pain cry. Yeah. I just knew it was. So eventually we were waiting and waiting and waiting for a consultant to come round and do the, you know, the hip yeah. checks and things like that. And we'd said a couple of times, we really need someone down here to look at this arm. 
and it just they've obviously so busy and it just got pushed and pushed and pushed eventually we got somebody I think he came a day later and looked and he did say he said oh there is something there there's something not quite right so um we had to take him to for an x-ray this poor little tiny baby um we had to take him for an x-ray in this massive x-ray table in this big room and um so they did him an x-ray and yeah he'd snapped his arm um the top of his arm completely broke it snapped it in half which was yeah shocking to see luckily because their babies their bones are you know so bendy at that age it didn't take any he didn't need to have it in a cast he didn't you know all we did was um all his baby pictures are him and he's got his little arm wrapped up in his baby grow as a little makeshift sling and it took two weeks and it healed it was amazing whoa so yeah it healed in two weeks yeah so that's what had happened now everyone at the hospital was so confused because they said, oh, you know, this can happen in childbirth where the babies are pulled, you know, like their bones can sometimes break. Mm. But I was like, he wasn't pulled. He was not yeah. pulled. He was, I pushed him out. And they were just like, but that can't happen. You, you cannot break a baby's bones from pushing him out. It just doesn't happen ever. Like they'd never had a case of it in that hospital ever before. And so then I was like, oh, my God, does he have brittle bone disease? Yeah. Or So then my mind starts going, you know, what's wrong with him? So they did all this testing on him and they were like, no, he doesn't have brittle bone disease. Nothing like that. His bone, his arm just snapped. It was like an impossible thing to happen. It just doesn't happen. So he must have come out of me in such a way that his arm was I mean, we can only guess that his arm was up over his head and it was, I don't know, like pushed back so far that it just snapped as I contracted, which is why he was so stuck in me. You know, that's why I didn't kind of progress any quicker and why I was stuck in that pool and why I was telling them, you know, something's wrong, he's stuck. Mm. So, yeah, I broke his bones with the forces of my contractions there was another similar case to this actually not that long ago in a different hospital where they didn't spot it they didn't see that his arm was stuck and it caused the baby to get stuck and unfortunately the mother couldn't push him out and he because he got so stuck for so long he ended up with severe brain damage and that's been a case that's been going on and she's actually sued the hospital for millions of I mean it doesn't make a difference to the the child unfortunately but it was something that went unnoticed and when I heard that case I was like oh my god that was no that it could have ended so differently for Sunny if I hadn't had and I'm sure she had that moment as well of I need to get this baby out but she just he was just so stuck and I honestly believe like if I hadn't have had that moment where I thought I need to get this baby out or this baby's going to die or I'm going to die mm-hmm. and just something came over me and I just got him out. I just think things could have ended so differently for Sunny. Yeah. Luckily, well, your intuition was so, it is so powerful and it was so right. And it's just so frustrating because you hear it time and time again of people knowing that something yeah. isn't right and and actually the kind of labor pattern that you're describing which is you know over several days um not huge amounts of progression but lots of pain um particularly mm. in the back i mean they are all typical signs of a malpositioned baby and it just astonishes me that we can't recognize those patterns and go okay yeah. here's a few things we could try to just assess the position of your baby there are things that you can do and even even if it was kind of a actually let's have a look at the position of your baby even if we can't change that what are the ways in which we can you know maybe choose a different path for this birth and you knew that something was not right yeah yeah now I'm like oh I should have I should have had you know like a normal been on the normal ward in a bed lying down 
and they might have seen it they might have been able because obviously when you're in a water birth they can't see what's going on obviously they have this mirror on a stick but really yeah. when you're underwater like they're really just looking for crowning aren't they yeah. they can't tell like how the baby's coming out and now I think god like for my first birth you know but then I had such a lovely pregnancy and no complications I didn't think of any reason as to why I would need to be you know monitored more closely no. so and for who's, me who's to say that like the typical monitoring so kind of like ctg and stuff who's who's to say whether that would have picked anything up yeah you, you don't know that um, no, no no so yeah so he he healed in two weeks and was fine i was still then he recovered quicker than i did i was still in severe pain being completely dissociated or yeah. um, I didn't feel con- disconnected from sunny I remember like lying in my bed once just crying and crying and crying and crying and I just rang my mum and I was like I don't love him I don't like I don't I don't feel like he's my baby I don't I remember hearing him like crying in the lounge and wanting feeding and I had no motherly instinct to go to him and it was all Danny like Danny just fed him and I was just in so much pain and I was speaking to you know your midwives come round and I was telling them and I was like I'm just in so much pain and I just you know I'm just not healing okay and they were like you're going through postnatal depression you're going through postnatal depression and I was like I I know but I was like but I'm also just bloody exhausted I'm sick of not being listened to. I'm telling you I'm in pain. I've had this awful birth and everyone's telling me that it wasn't possible. And like, so surely if I've squeezed out a baby who was in a wrong position, maybe there's something wrong with my insides now. That's why Mm. I'm telling you I'm really struggling. And everyone just kind of gives you a little pat on the head, like, oh, there, there, you'll get over it kind of thing. And it's just so incredibly infuriating. It's it's um, like it's like gaslighting of the highest degree, isn't it? It's yeah, like- absolutely. I'm just like, why is nobody taking this seriously? Like, I'm not being a wimp here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've actually genuinely been through something awful and everyone just doesn't want to hear about it. I remember when I was actually in the labour ward and I needed to go to the toilet and by this point I still hadn't got out of my bed they hadn't cleaned me I was still in my bloody nighty and everything led in my own dirt in my bed and I needed to go to the toilet and they were like well and I was like could you please like get me a wheelchair or something and they were like no if you need the toilet you need to walk there yourself So I was like, okay, right. So I somehow got myself out of that bed, walked along the corridor and it was a a mixture of the exhaustion and the pain. I just passed out on the floor in the middle of the corridor. And they literally just came with a wheelchair, scooped me up back into the wheelchair and wheeled me back to the bed and put me in the bed. Why no, could like, they just assisted you to the bathroom? Like, if they yeah. could scoop, you, what do they? Why do you? Why do you have to pass out for it to be worthy <laughs> of them helping you? I know, but it wasn't it's like so no awful. one was like shocked. Like, oh my god, are you okay? Like, what's happening? It was just like, oh, we found you in the corridor. You passed out, and I was like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you I'm not well, and they're just like, you just need to rest. And I I was just like, oh, my God. And my mum came, my sister came to come and visit me. And by this point, I was like, mum, just get me out of here. Get, I cannot recover here. They're not, I mean, they weren't all like that. I had some absolutely lovely midwives who I think got me through that period. There was this one midwife and she was just an absolute saint. And she sat with me next to my bed and she helped me and she did everything with Sunny and she was just amazing and she was so, so kind. But I just think like, yeah, as the, for, because it's their day-to-day job, sometimes the like human part of it gets taken out of it a little bit too much. Um, and my mum came over and I said to her, I just, you know, I just need to get out of here. I need to go home. And she was absolutely furious because I just, I hadn't even been cleaned. I hadn't even 
you know, they hadn't done anything with me. They just left me there with Sunny, who I still couldn't pick up. And I remember I couldn't breastfeed because he had a tongue tie. I couldn't sit up because of my back pain. And I was trying and trying and trying. And the breastfeeding midwife came over to me and she sat on the end of my bed. And she was like, I basically said, I'm just so exhausted. I can't hold him up. Physically, I cannot hold him in this position. He's not latching on. And she looked at me and she was just like, you're just not trying hard enough. And you're just making excuses. He actually said that to you. She actually said that to me. She actually said that to me after everything I'd been through. Unforgivable. And I I was just like, nah, you know what? I've had enough of this. And I just rang Danny and I was like, bring me in. Because they wouldn't give me any formula. They wouldn't give me any formula in the hospital. They told me I wasn't trying hard enough. So I actually asked Danny to go to the supermarket and smuggle me in formula. Which is just wild. It's it's insane because you should be supported whatever feeding party you choose. Yeah. Even if you'd gone in there and you'd known from day one you wanted to formula feed, that should be supported. It's like you weren't supported either way. You weren't supported to breastfeed and you weren't supported to formula feed. What do they want you to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's just absolutely wild when I think about it now. I'm like oh my god I can't believe that actually happened to me um so eventually I did go home my mum my um you know I got out of there and I then had recovery time at home and eventually I did have a midwife come over and check me out check me over and um she was like no wonder you're struggling you're severely infected Oh my god. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Can somebody just, you know, like someone's actually listened to me and I've been telling you I'm in pain, like I'm not recovering um as quickly as I should be. So yeah, so once I was then on the antibiotics and was making a bit of progress, I was, you know, spending more time with Sunny. And I actually remember the moment that I had that like overwhelming feeling of love, which everyone tells you you get at the start and I didn't have that until two weeks after I had him and I only had it because there was a situation in our hometown at the time where a little boy had unfortunately died um he'd fallen off the end of the jetty in into the sea and got swept away and he was only four and I remember um watching it on the news and Sonny was in his little Moses basket over the other side of the lounge and I just remember having this like it was like a whoosh it was like a really weird sensation over my body and I just remember being like oh my god imagine if that was my sunny and then that's when my maternal love kicked in and I just remember like holding him squeezing him so tight and I just never loved anything more in my life and but it wasn't like this it didn't happen straight away for me and I think that happens with a lot of mums it doesn't always happen straight away and sometimes you have to heal yourself first before you can give back to your baby and that was definitely the case with me a hundred percent this is why I just think we need to support postnatal people so much better because it's like everyone it's like that classic saying like everyone wants to hold the baby but who holds the mum and yeah somebody definitely. has to hold the mum for the mum to be able to hold the baby in in every in the literal sense and the physical sense um, yeah definitely. but yeah I um I actually feel like I I don't know if it was like one moment but I do I actually remember a moment or two where I had like that oh my god I love you thing and yeah, I honestly yeah. think that my baby was about five months old Really, like it yeah. was it was really late I mean I loved him and I had those moments where you know if he was crying there was one particular moment where he was crying I could hear him in the other room and I thought that Mike was with him but Mike wasn't with him and so when I realized that he was on his own in that room and had been crying for like 10 minutes it was unbearable like I scooped him up I was like I have to feed him I have to feed him you know I was like it was just unbearable but but the moment where I was like oh my god I love you to high heaven yeah probably didn't happen till like four or five months really yeah and And I think it's more normal now like I think that's normal like that's more what happens than this 
this magical moment that people create that when you hold your baby for the first time you get this overwhelming rush of love like it just doesn't happen you've just been through the most traumatic thing of your life and then you've been handing the thing that's made that traumatic thing happen and you're just there staring at it and you're like oh my god there's just so many emotions going around and I think it's absolutely you know acceptable for women to not feel that straight away yeah and for it to take some time wow so you'd got some antibiotics and you were like finally feeling a bit better and you were feeling some more more positive emotions towards Sunny um did you ever feel like you wanted to take what happened to you further in terms of making a complaint or anything to the hospital or was that just so Um, far from your brain at that point because you're in it you know it was far from my brain it definitely um my dad was furious and he wanted to take it further at the time though I just kind of felt like there were because there were I don't know I was really grateful for some of the staff as Mm. well like the some of the midwives who really really did help me I I just kind of felt like oh you know like they've done their job and at the end of the day like we're here now and I'm okay and Sunny's okay and I don't know if that was just my naive side and but now definitely as I've got older I when I look back on it I'm like no none none of that was okay that was absolutely horrifying what they did to me Mm. and it was totally unacceptable and if I could go back that is one thing that I would do I would I would have taken it further I mean my dad did write we did have some correspondence with the head of um what's it called midwifery head of midwifery in the southwest I think it was at the time we wrote in some complaints and we got some correspondence back just apologizing and things like that but I mean it was just a shambles really and such a shame to just you know for me that moment has just been I mean, it's not been ruined because I have Sunny, obviously, but it was just, you know, it could have just gone so much better. Mm. And it was just negligence at the end of the day. And it yeah. was just not hearing me and not listening and not supporting me. And that's what I needed, especially when I was left alone there. I needed them to be my support. And it just didn't happen that way. Yeah. I definitely had a different experience with Finley. A hundred percent. It was night and day. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So how did you feel then? Because you mentioned that your second baby was, uh, was a planned pregnancy. How did you approach that? And what, did you have some fear and trepidation about embarking upon having a baby again, given what you'd been through? Because I think that would be completely understandable. So after I had Sunny, um, I said I would never, ever have any more children, ever. It completely scarred me. But then it is just this crazy thing that us women do that we just forget about the pain. <laughs> and we just, we just put ourselves through it again. And I don't know why we do it. So I just, over the years, obviously there was a, if I'd have been in a position to have another baby straight after Sunny, there was just no way. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. But life just planned out a way that I didn't even you know children weren't even on my radar after Sunny for a good few years um and then eight years after Sunny I then had the conversation with my partner you know Sonny's you know he's older now and he's always saying he's got no one to play with and everyone's got siblings and you know maybe it would be nice to give him a sibling um so that kind of then started that conversation and then we started trying fell pregnant straight away again which was great but I still had in the back of my well I I said to myself from day one if I'm having this baby I'm having cesarean there is no not a chance I am having a natural birth no way absolutely not I would not do it again so I went in with the thought that I'm only having this baby if I have a c-section yeah and he was fine everyone was fine with that and that's that was it although I did get a few queries from different midwives and you know you have to go to this appointment to say why you want a cesarean kind of like a little bit of an interview yeah Um, yeah. I was gonna ask about that in terms of any resistance that you faced um I have a previous guest I think on my first season who 
had an elective cesarean um and found it incredibly difficult and lots and lots of resistance until she kind of realized actually it is my right to yeah. decide this did you have the same or did was yeah. your medical history enough for them to go ah okay my medical history was completely void because they never wrote anything down about my experience as my birth okay so on sunny's birth it went it says natural birth delivered successfully no complications so that's what it says for sunny they didn't document anything that had happened for them they thought it was a completely normal birth so it's only really on Sonny's medical records that it says that he was born with a broken arm. When I went to, yeah, have Finley and I told my midwife then and then, I said, I'm having a cesarean. That's it. End of conversation. Don't even try and talk to me about a natural birth because it's yeah. not going to happen. She obviously did ask me why. And I said, and she was pretty good. She was like, okay, that's fine but you are going to have to go to a consultant at the hospital and they basically say yes or no when yeah. really I mean they'd have to say yes if that's what I said yeah. so I went to this appointment this very stern lady came in and really it was really intimidating she was very intimidating but I said to myself you know I'm older now I have got a voice and I'm not going to be bullied and I'm not going to be pushed around because I knew and I'd heard this that it was quite hard. You know, they you do meet a lot of resistance. So I made sure that I went in there, no matter how scary I found it, to really say this is what is happening and nothing you can say can yeah. sway me. So I definitely went in with that mentality. But it was just so, so I explained everything that happened with Sunny and she just kept, and she was like, okay, well, that can't happen. Well, it and did. I was like, but it did happen. And she said, no, it's impossible. It is impossible to break a baby's bones from your contractions. It doesn't happen. It's never happened. And I was like, but it did happen. And she was like, no, he must have been pulled. It was just, I just sat there like, so you're telling me that I'm lying? Yeah. Like, I don't, he was not pulled. Oh, that must have been she, so, like, triggering for you. Oh, how, my God, you I You know, knew. like, and it's I, a mirror of what you've been through. Yeah, yeah, I was, like, trying so hard to not get emotional because she's basically telling me that that awful experience I've just made up. And I'm just, like, I keep getting this time and time again. Every time I speak to a medical professional, they just tell me that that is impossible and it cannot happen. And I'm telling you that that's what happened. That is the only, the only way he could have broken his arm was through my contractions and coming out naturally. And they just go, mm, no, no, you, you know, he must have been pulled with some force. And I'm like, no, God, no, you're not listening. And it was exactly the same with her. And she just was saying, no, no, it just, you know, that can't happen. And I was just like, well, it did happen. And I'm not having a natural birth. And she and then they just go into, you know, well, we don't advise, you know, it is a huge, it's a huge opera. Yeah, I know, I know everything. And I'm having a cesarean and that's it. So I was pretty firm in that decision. I didn't let her as much as she tried, and she did try, she tried to intimidate me and make me feel like I was making the wrong decision, which is wrong. She should not mm. do that. And I know a lot of women who've gone through that and then backed out because of their, it's a, like a it's like a bullying tactic and, yeah. you know, trying and to make you sway your decision. It also makes me really mad because I'm pretty sure the last time I checked the uh, statistics for Musgrove, I think it was nearly 45% cesarean births. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, around 20-something percent of those will be planned but the rest aren't. So, you know, if if we're willing to let people go through a really traumatic experience followed by an emergency cesarean, why aren't we open to, an, you know, the conversation of somebody who's very firm in what they want? And then you can't really adequately take into consideration the pros, cons, risks, benefits of a cesarean when it's in the moment. So no, we no. should be applauding people who take the time to go through those things in their mind before asking for that yeah absolutely and I just feel like it's your body if you're right if you mm. want to however you want to give birth you should be listened to and that's I that's mean that. and that's how it should go yeah that's that 
Um, so I'd had a planned cesarean and I had it at St. Michael's in Bristol. I refused yeah. to go back to Taunton, you know, understandably. I just didn't want to go there again. It was too yeah. traumatic for me. And the staff at St. Michael's were just absolutely amazing from start to finish. They were so loving. They were so caring. Um, they really treated me like I was the only person in there, which was amazing. My cesarean was great, like didn't have any, I, I lost a lot of blood afterwards, but I mean, that compared to Sunny was, yeah. I just thought, yeah, fine. <laughs> if that's the only complication, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, the stay on the ward was lovely. They came and checked on me. They helped me with anything I could. They put me in a private room because there was a lady who was a bit, irritating on the <laughs> there was a lady next to me and she was just oh gosh she was so irritating she just kept talking in the middle of the night and everyone was trying to sleep and I was so tired so they they put me in a private room and they were just so so lovely and they they helped me to the toilet I didn't pass out it was you know it was such a different experience and I had that time to hold Finley and look at Finley and take him all in like with Sonny I don't even remember really what he looked like when he came out of me because I just couldn't focus on it but with Finley I actually could and I mean yeah I had the pains and everything that you get with cesarean but that was fine and I was you know I was happy to go through that and I just had that time with Finley that I didn't have with Sonny and it was such a different experience and I really felt like a mum and this baby is mine and I yeah. I mean I don't remember having the overwhelming feeling of love again but I just it was such a nice much more peaceful experience yeah. and it was just so nice to have that compared to what I had with Sunny and I'm so so glad I did a cesarean yeah absolutely I wish I'd done a cesarean with Sunny yeah <laughs> but I didn't know at the time no and you don't you don't know what way you're first birth's going to unfold I mean any birth but no. yeah and I mean I imagine approaching that with a date that you've got in your diary and yep. you've slept and not been up for four yep. days yep. and also you've got an idea of what you're going to need postnatally as well because you know what babies are like when they're first born it's brilliant that you were able to have an experience that makes you feel like kind of positively about it this time Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm really glad I did it again did it differently and kind of had all the things that I should have experienced with like if Sunny was my only experience of having a baby yeah that would have been quite you know yeah it's defining not, isn't it like on you know what I mean but it's just yeah like I'm like oh my only experience of having a baby was that but no like Finley was this yeah it's night and day and it was amazing and it was nice to have that I mean I'm, I'm never ever gonna have any more children ever again <laughs> I am no, no, very no, no, no. firm in that <laughs> I'm done these tubes are metaphorically tied yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. it was nice to have one that was did come out nice and I had all the nice experience with that definitely made up for it so we're coming to the end of a time together but before we go, I always ask people, and I have a feeling that I'll know where this is going to go, but I always ask people if they could give somebody some advice if they're heading mm -hmm. into their first pregnancy, first birth experience, mm -hmm. if there's anything that you would advise them or anything that you found particularly helpful or wish you had had. My, yeah, my advice would be to listen to your gut instincts. And you know when something is wrong and you know as a woman what your body is doing, particularly through childbirth. You just have this intuition. It's amazing. It's an incredible thing that we have. It's really bizarre, especially if you've never had a child before. You just know when something's not right. And to absolutely, definitely voice your opinions don't let somebody just because they're you know a doctor a consultant a midwife talk you down you know what you want you know if you're experiencing some problems and you need to be firm and voice your opinions and make sure that you're heard and don't take no for an answer don't just back down you know stick to what you want you get this experience once or twice or three times however many kids you're having and then that's it so 
you know what you want and absolutely do not be um, manipulated or intimidated into making a decision that you don't want absolutely Mm. yeah I think that's great advice and even even to take that one step further I think it's a really great idea to make sure that somebody else in that room with you also knows exactly that they're that it's okay for them to kind of shout shout up on your behalf as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing both your stories with me, Hannah. Um, yeah, it's been really brilliant and I think important as well. Lots of things that people can take away from that. So thank you very much. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I'm so pleased that Hannah got to experience a positive birth with her second son and I was very grateful that she was able to share her first birth story in such a calm manner providing some really excellent reflections and advice for other people. I can only echo Hannah's sentiments when I say that advocacy is everything. The more you know your rights and the more people who you are surrounded by who also know your rights and exactly what you want the better armed you are against anybody who tries to derail your birth or refuses to listen to you. If you enjoyed this episode or you know someone who would, please do share it. You can rate and review the podcast too, which really helps me become visible to new listeners. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Real Birth Podcast. That is all for this week. We will see you very soon with another amazing birth story. Bye. Bye.